All right, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another session of um, A Shepherd's Love Discipleship Center. We're here today and we're going to continue our series on family and family matters. And today we're going to be honing in on children. Um, for the last few weeks, we did an overview of family um, and then we went into men and husbands, women and wives, and today we're going to be discussing children and their roles in the family. We're going to go ahead and begin with a quick word of prayer, and then I'll turn it over to my wife so we can begin our teaching on children. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we praise you and we worship you, Lord, that you are the almighty God. You are the almighty King, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we thank you today, Lord God, that you are continuing, Lord God, to cover us and to bless us and to strengthen us, God, as we, Lord God, dive into deeper things about family. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you're able to, Lord God, help us, Lord God, oh God, be better, oh God, parents, Lord God, and even, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to navigate through, oh God, different aspects of life where it may be hard, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, even things Lord God, about our childhood, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, they bring up certain memories, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to be, oh God, dealing with those today, Lord God, you're going to be dealing with those issues, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and we come, Lord God, ready for strength, ready for growth, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we come ready to receive from you, ready, oh God, to commune with you. Yes, God. We thank you, Lord, that we are here to commune with you. We're here, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you may intercept, Lord God, everything, Lord God, that we have thought and we have believed, Lord God, and that you're able, Lord God, to transition and train us, Lord God, into, Lord God, something greater, something better, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And so, Lord, we thank you today, Lord God, for our continued journey, Lord God, with a Shepherd's Love Discipleship Center, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I Thank you, Lord, Father, Lord God, for you, Lord God, covering us, Lord God, protecting us, Lord God, and Lord God, being our God, Lord God, in this season, Lord God. I thank you, God, that you've given us, Lord God, even strategies, Lord God, to continue to step out in the deep, step out in the waters, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, to become everything that you've called us to be. And Lord, we thank you now, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you're opening up the heavens, Lord God. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and you're going to reign even in this place today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for your continued, Lord God, Lord God, anointing and power, Lord God, to do just what you've called us to do, to do everything that you've called us to do. And Lord, we thank you that we are honored to be, oh God, vessels used by you, Lord God. We are honored to be vessels used by you. And we thank you, Father, Lord, for just guiding us, Lord God, through this moment and through this teaching today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And so at this time, I'm going to turn it over to my wife, and she's going to move forward in our teaching for today. All right. Good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you may be. Um, my name is Kenisa, and so we're continuing the Family Matter series, just like my husband was praying and discussing. And so brief recap, uh, when we started, we talked about um, family as, a, as all. We talked about how it was an institution, um, and then we, uh, how family is the institution, how we, uh, the family is really, um, basically really is we're here for the society to help train the society, build the society, help society because family was ordained by God to be an institution, a biblical institution. And we talked about the different dynamics of family from how it looks biblically to how it looks, um, healthy, unhealthy. And then we talked about husbands the following month. And then we talked about wives and how it and how husband bind the family together. Right. And because they're they were created first, man was created first. But how husband has a responsibility to bind the family together because they listen to God and they have a responsibility. And then we discussed um, last month how wives 
build the walls up of the family. And so now we're going to talk about children. And I think that that this is very key because oftentimes you do not hear ministries or um, anything really, I do not put it that way, do not really hear anyone really talking about how important children are in the family, just mainly what we need to do for children. But children do have a responsibility within the family. They have a purpose. And so we're going to talk about that. And so just get into it. Um, in the New Testament, children's role, which we all know is to obey, right? And we use that very heavily. Obey me. You have to obey me, obey me, obey me. But there are some things that comes with that obey, like from the parents. You know, we want them to obey, but obey what? Obey how? And so that's what we're really going to look into, getting the understanding of why God wants children to obey. And then I'm probably going to help the understanding, even why adults struggle sometimes, because sometimes they have a children mentality. And we're going to get into that too. So in the New Testament, we see that uh, children's role is to obey what God what what is commanded by God and that is referenced in Ephesians 6 1 through 4 and that scripture says children obey your parents in the Lord that is accepted accept their guidance and discipline as his representative that is the key accept their guidance and discipline as his representative. That's why I say we want children to obey, obey what, obey who, uh, for this is right for obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor esteems values as precious your father and your mother and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may be well with you and that you may have a long life on earth. And so in uh, verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism favoritism, can't show favoritism, or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. That verse, this this verse right here is really the foundation where I'm really going to be building from and talking from. And we're going to talk about the different stages that children go through to adulthood and so, um, yeah, let's just get on into it. And so um, Jesus affirmed the importance of children, right? And so we're going to look at Matthew 18, verses 1 through 14. It's kind of lengthy verses I'm going to give, but I think it's important that we get the understanding why children are important. Not just we call ourselves children of God, but really the children that God gives us. Matthew 18 verses 1 through 4 says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greater in the kingdom of heaven? And I think we all have asked that question. Who is greater? Am I greater? You know, basically who's seen greater than what? You know, we, we all have done that. But Jesus said this, he replied, he called a little child and set him before them and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent, that is change your inner self, your old way of thinking, live, change lives and become like children, trusting, humble and forgiving. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives and welcomes one child like this in my name, in my name receives me. 
But whoever caused one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble and sin by leading him away from my teaching, it will be better for him to have a heavier milestone as large as one turned by a donkey hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of sea. Woe, judgment is coming to the world because of stumbling blocks and temptation to sin. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the person on whose account or through whom the stumbling block come. If your hand or your foot calls you to stumble and sin, cut it off and throw it away for you. That is, remove yourself from the source of temptation. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into everlasting fire. If your eyes cause you to stumble and sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. That is, remove yourself from the source of temptation. It is better for you to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fiery hell so that you do not despise or think less of one of these little ones. For I say to you that there are angels in heaven are in the presence and of and continually looking upon the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, will he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that is lost? And if it turns out that he finds it, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that did not get lost. So it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones be lost. I wanted to point that out because in certain research and just talking to God, this we, we read this scripture really talking about those who are sinful and those who are lost. We, we, we take it out in that aspect. But when we begin to look at children, reason why he affirmed children and he want us to begin to look at children like that, children get lost. And we cast them out and we look over them. We push them to the side and not understanding we need to, we need them because they have something that we need. They have that unforgiveness. They have that imagination. They have that faith that we sometimes want and we resent it because they have this radical faith. They talk faith. They talk, I can do this. I can be this. I'm going to accomplish this at such a young age. And so this is really why God affirms them because this is how he wants us to be. And this is why they are so important in our lives. This is why they are important in families because when parents hear this, it, begin, it should begin to ignite something. It should begin to overflow. When it's even in the society, when children are talking like this, when they have that crazy faith, when they have that unstoppable belief system in them that is wisdom, that is godly, it began to change things even in the society because now people are listening. We are encouraging, we're pushing, we're mentoring, we're discipling. Now change began to take effect. So that is why he affirms children, not wait for them to be an adult and then affirm them. He also affirmed them as well. Even in Mark 10 verses 14 through 16. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, allow the children to come to me. Do not forbid them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you. And most solemnly say to you, whoever does not receive and welcome the kingdom of God like a child will not enter in at all. And he took the children one by one in his arm and blessed them with kind, encouraging words, placed his hands on them. And if we follow the example of Jesus, our society will be better. Our families will be better. 
we talked about even in the in the beginning how if the father is absent there is a hole in the family and we talk about if the wife is in the woman is not building up the wall there the outside the structure of the family is broken is gone and so if we begin to do this pour in firmly loving and bless them and lay hands upon them and speak life into them into the children just as jesus spoke and commanded to be think about how society would be think about how our schools would be think about how when they go to college how that would be think about when they move into adults how even in their work environment or when they are faced with obstacles and frustrations and temptation how that would be think about even when health situation arise think about how they will be able to handle those situations just because life has been spoken into them they have been affirmed hands have been laid upon them in a positive wisdom affirmed way they have been um they have that confidence knowing though this is in my path i know what i can do i know how to handle it and so this is why children are very important they're not obsolete they're very important and much needed children are gifts from god to families they're a gift they're not just something he decides to say boom there you go <laughs> they're a gift and so psalms 127:3 says sons are indeed a heritage from the lord children a reward children mean fruit it's the result um, of the labor of the womb and the womb can be biological, it can be adoptive um, or spiritual or foster. And the reason why I say that is because me and my husband, we stand here today, we were foster parents first and then we became adoptive parents. So you still become a parent, you still become what God has commanded you. He gifted a child. Even if you become a spiritual parent, your spiritual mom or spiritual father, someone is calling you mom, someone is calling you dad, there is still a responsibility with that, not just a title, there is a responsibility. And so when we begin to really get in the presence of God and be like, what is my responsibility? Not just happy because I have a title and someone calling me a name, but what is my responsibility to this person? Um, then you'll be understanding what this gift is and how to nurture this gift and how to take treasure this gift and how to bring this gift even more to life. Children should be looked upon as a blessing, not as an inconvenience. You know, um, no matter how they are conceived, and you know, there is in today's society, we are dealing with, you know, abortion. Let's be real. Even if a child is conceived through rape, through abuse, and, you know, we're not here to tell you, keep the child or whatnot. But when that child is birthed, that child is still a blessing. That child is still a gift. Even when it's conceived, it's still a gift, no matter how traumatic the situation is or how it can be what happened it's still a gift you know i i firmly believe we all make our own decisions according to what we believe in what we stand for and how we have a relationship with our heavenly father and if you do not have a relationship then you're going to make your decision based on who you believe in but there with us there's no judgment we just firmly believe children are a gift and how that what you do with that gift that is between you and God and who you believe in because there is a family out there that is willing to help take care of that gift um, parents are given the unique responsibility to care for their children's physical and spiritual needs as well as guide them from their initial state of complete dependence to adulthood now initial state so when i when i say initial state i'm talking from what time they are conceived until adult until they take their last breath so there is a process and we're going to get into that 
because there's a responsibility there. Part of God's design for humanity is the parent-child relationship. I know society is trying to make it look like we do not need parent and child. We don't need that. It can be just me, whatever, whatever. But that is God's original intent. It goes back to when he created man. He created man, then woman, then he wanted them to be fruitful and multiply. And they began to have children. When you begin to read Adam and Eve's story in the Bible, you'll begin to see what that what happened with Cain and Abel, but they also continue to have children. You will even see begin to read the story about Noah when God flooded the earth, how they began to repro, uh, reproduce again after the flood. Why? Because God wanted to be parent and child relationship. And why is that? Because he wants to continue reproduction of the kingdom of God. He wanted to continue that. He did not want it to stop with just Adam and Eve and animals. He wanted to continue the reproduction of the kingdom of God. And when we continue the reproduction of the kingdom of God, that's what we're going to get into. Because when you, uh, for that, for the kingdom of God to continue to reproduce, that's when we as parents pour into the children and teach them the godly way. We give them wisdom. We give them wise counsel. We show them how to fear the Lord. We show them how to listen to the Lord. We show them how to reverence him. We show them how to go before him because we continue the process. Um, God's original intent for his children, for children was not to be sick or encounter death and diseases. In an unfallen world, parents and children would not sin against each other. That was the unfallen world. That's God's original intent. Never clashing with each other. No one gets sick. No one having diseases. It was just perfect. It was just amazing. Everybody was just chilling, living life, you know? That's how God originally wanted to be. But unfortunately, we know the story, you know? Eve didn't listen. He ate the fruit, listened to a word, took took bait, and now we are here. All right. And so let's begin to talk about the stages that children go through and get the understanding of what their process is from immaturity to maturity. And even we begin, and when you hear it, you'll begin to see how the enemy can get in and mess with them, and even begin to see why it's very important for parents to take their role very serious. Okay. So, from infancy and childhood, um, we're going to discuss first. So, at birth, a child utterly, utterly is dependent on his or her parent. We know that from womb to the time they birth. They began to develop skills to care for themselves in some ways. Um, this is where um, I believe even as infants, we need to let children, let babies move around, experience life, see some things. And, you know, and as they begin to get in the toddler stage, we need to begin to let them move around, see some, see what they can and cannot do with some guidance, right? Um, because you begin to see their personality. You begin to see what they can and cannot do. You begin to see what their abilities are. And you also begin to see, you begin to see how their gifts are beginning to form when you do that. If you're constantly holding and hovering and trying to protect every bumps and scrapes and, you know, don't do it, you know, you're hindering their gifts that God had placed inside of them to come out. They tend to be impress, um, impressionable and desire to please adults. We already know that they, they have us wrapped around their fingers when they infants and sometimes toddlers. We get that. Um, and they can be disobedient, stubborn, and difficult sometimes. Now, when I'm going through this, I also want you to think about some adults that's in your life. So I think this is also going to help to understand why some adults act the way they do. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, their character can be easily fashioned. It can be easily fashioned. 
but godly parents have to be have to be willing to do it lovingly um, to their children or someone else will. So if you and I do not fashion our children how it's supposed to be done, trust me, someone else is ready to do it for you and they're not going to do it the right way or the godly way. So then your children and our children will be led astray and then there's more problems. Because parents' responsibility to guide the formation of, uh, formation of character in a biblical direction. That's our responsibility. The relationship of the child to their parent is dependency and need. During empathy and childhood, they have a dependent and need for us. So the responsibility of the need is more than food, clothing, shelter, and love. It is more than food, shelter, clothing, and love. They need nurture and counsel of the Lord. That is Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The purpose of the Lord's nurture and counsel is to draw them closer to God. Draw them closer because even as toddlers and and even as they're getting closer to the adolescent, they still can have a relationship with God. I firmly believe that. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 7 say, These words which I am commanding you today shall be written on your heart and mind. You shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truth and shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And then in Proverbs 1, 8 through 9, my son, hear the instructions of your father and do not reject the teaching of your mother for they are garland of grace on your head and chains and ornaments of gold around your neck. And that is very, I love that because garland, I know we hang it up for Christmas and all that, but when you go back and look at it in history, garland used to represent honor and wealth. That's why they hung it up because it represents honor and wealth because it had the dark green, the flowers, it has all of that. So here in Proverbs, when you honor when children begin to honor you and respect their mother and father when we're doing things the godly way, right? That means there is a level of honor and wealth and prosperity around our children. That follows them. It's not the parent. It follows them as well, all right? So let's talk about the next stage, adolescence. Adolescents, their horizons or perspective begins to expand. Isn't that lovely? We love when the adolescent perspectives begin to expand, right? Their personality comes out real good. Mm -hmm. We love that. They begin to make independent decisions with us or without us they're making these independent decisions sometimes within their hearts sometimes within their minds and sometimes it's vocal and we're like what <laughs> okay but they begin to make independent decisions why are they making these independent decisions because when they was infant the childhood we're teaching them how and we're giving them the guidance to start finding their ways and seeing what their gifts are so now they're making these independent decisions they are less dependent on their parents opinion um, parents opinions and begin to seek the opinions of their peers and in some cases begin to rebel against their parents authority it's normal it's normal but what is not normal what god really do not like is the rebellion part and so that's why when we see that we do have to nip it in the bud real quick um because of if we continue to allow it it can get out of hand and then that spirit can take a hold of them real quick and real strong. And so 
while it's good and natural for a child to begin to develop independence, rebellion is a very serious sin against God. That is in 1 Samuel 15:23. For rebellion is a for rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination, which is fortune telling, and obedience and disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also reject you as king. So that is key. When we start teaching children, when you rebel and you come against what I'm instructing you and you choose to listen to someone else, you are blocking your blessing. You are limiting your access to the kingdom. You are restricting yourself in the movement, how God wants to utilize you. Because when you are in the kingdom, you are considered, you are not considered, you are a king and queen. You know, that's how I talk to my kids. You're a king and king, queen, king and queen. You have authority. You have power. You have dominion. That is what God has given us. But when you, you begin to walk away from that because you want to listen to someone else because you think it's cool, but then you are blocking that what God has given you. And it's the same with, with adults. And so if we begin to re realize what we go through as adults and understand it's the same process with our children and share with them, it's the same process. There's no difference. It's the same thing. Children are commanded to obey their parents. Colossians 3.20, children obey your parents as God's representative in all things. For this attitude, attitude of respect and obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord and will bring you God's promised blessing. But the command must be of God. The command must be of God and not harmful and sinful. Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline in his as his representative. For this is right. For obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. And that's what I said in the beginning. We want children to obey. Obey who and obey what? Because anybody can give directions. Anybody can give commands. But what direction and commands are we giving to our children for them to obey? Because there is something on the inside of them when they are little that knows, I understand, right? This, I, I can't. There, we know when we was kids how that was. And so as godly parents, we have to know, I have to be listening to God because I always tell you, um, we always tell you here at Shepherd's Love, Always go back to God. Seek God. What is God telling you about your family? What is God telling you about your children? What is God saying how to raise your family? Even though I'm giving you all of this, what is God saying about raising your family with this information and how to teach your children and how to love them and how to nurture them and how to um, pour into them and even how to lay hands on them, what to speak over them and into them? Because what you see someone else do on TV or someone else do in church may not necessarily be for your child. And so... You have to be in tune with God to know what is for your children. Parents play a vital role in helping their children to navigate their newfound freedom and independence by encouraging young people to be responsible while providing appropriate boundaries. I think the word boundaries is, is like, I don't know, like a curse word to some some people setting boundaries with your kid is like, oh, wait a minute. But there are such things as healthy boundaries. Teaching your children healthy boundaries is amazing because we as adults need healthy boundaries because if not, you'll get walked all over. We don't want people to walk all over our children, right? So God start teaching them healthy boundaries the appropriate healthy boundaries. Allowing children to be independent 
where it is appropriate while explaining the reason for rules and boundaries can help them develop their own values, which they will need when they leave their parents' home. Instead of molding character, the role now becomes preparing the child for independence. So when they get in the adolescent stage, we're no longer babying them, right? We're preparing them for independence. We're preparing them to get ready to start thinking of what life looks like when I leave my parents' home, what life looks like when I have to stand on my own and pay my own bills and, and tend to my own needs and make sure I have everything that I needed. What does that look like? Why? Because we've given them a sense of freedom. They got their independence. They start thinking for themselves. They're learning how to plan. They're learning how to prepare. We're teaching them that. In preparation for independence, they will need to have increased responsibility around the house, more freedom of movement, and less monitoring. However, it is important to remember that children remain the responsibility of the parents, not their teacher or the state. It is the parents' responsibility to teach their children the truth. Now, um, now here in, in there's nowhere in scripture that nowhere in scripture it is the responsibility notified. So you find it in scripture that says it is the state responsibility or the school responsibility or the church responsibility to raise my child. Hit us up. Let us know. We would love to hear it and we would love to know what that scripture is. But it's simply the parent's responsibility to make sure their children, their adolescent, have everything that they need. So let's talk about adulthood. Yay. Everybody love adulting, right? <laughs> Getting ready to prepare the children for adulting, right? Because <laughs> I know around our house, <laughs> our kids look at us because we be like, Today, I did not want to adult today. <sighs> and they be like, why? Got to pay bills. Got to make sure you have this. I want to sleep in. <laughs> so everybody love adulting. Yes, let's do this. So with adulthood, um, in this stage, they establish independence by getting married and establish their own careers, um, their relationship between their parents. And the, the relationship between the relationship between parent and child changes again, this time in the most drastic way, because now we we got to work on some stuff. Um, they have achieved independence and no longer is the direct responsibility of the parent. And I think that is a hard thing for some parents when kids become an adult get a career or they get married or they move out. They got their own friends now or they just live in life or not. I think that's kind of hard for some parents because they're used to taking care and being there. But it, it, it has to change because they have to continue to mature in life. Um, they are not obligated to obey the parent in the same way he or she was she, he or she was went under the parents roof but there should ideally still be a close relationship where there is communication and respect so even though they are out of the house doing their own thing married career and all that there still should be a level of communication and respect with their parents then we get into balancing. Balancing um, the commitment of marriage, children, and parents will look different for each family, but that is part of becoming a mature adult. So we're going to look at Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So this is where balance come in. So as the child leave the house, you know, graduate from college and all that, they marry, 
they have a career or they're not married, but they got a career. They got their own place. They paying their own bills. They, they live in life. They are adulting now. You know, that's the word they're adulting. So they doing that. And so now they have to figure out the balance of doing their own thing over here because they got their own bills. They got their own set of rules. They got their own responsibility and still respect mom and dad still communicate, still check in, and still do all these things. And I think that's also where the parents have to work on the balance because now they out the house and they live in, the, they got their own zip code, they got their own address, it's different from yours. You don't have a say in their house. You can't control their house. You can't run their house. You can't do all the things that you did when they was up under your roof. And so I think that's where everybody has to learn the balance now, because now your child is an adult, just like you. They have a personality, just like you. They have responsibilities, just like you. They have a career, just like you. They have a life, just like you. They doing things just, they got to go to bed. They got to get up. They got to do things just like you. So now everyone is an adult. And so it's like, now we got to respect everyone personality, everyone thoughts, everyone doing their own thing. And so I also want to touch on this situation because especially my line of work, um, when we're talking about children, we know in society, we, we have a lot of children that go through abuse. And so telling a child to respect your parents, and even abuse in the Christian Christian family. There is abuse. <laughs> hey, let's be real. And so when we begin to talk to children about respecting their parents, loving on their parents stuff, we also got to be mindful of them about what they're going through when there was like, well, I can't, I can't respect my parents because they beat me, they this and that. So then we got to teach them in a different way in how to honor and respect their parents. So children should not be pressured to prematurely forgive abusive parents or to honor or obey them in traditional ways when the parents have demonstrated that those actions are fundamentally unsafe for the for the vulnerable child children can honor abusive parents by praying that the parents will repent for their sins and be saved the relationship can only be reconciled after genuine re repentance and evidence of a changed life over time and even then Depending on the severity of the abuse, the child may never feel safe in that parent's care. And we got to be mindful of that. It may take years. It may take decades. They may never want to be in their parents' life. They may never want to be close to them. They may be like, you know what, God, I forgive them in my heart, but I can never tell them. We have to respect that we cannot push that because that's, that's the level of trauma where we have to be mindful of. Abuse breaks the parent-child relationship because it is fundamental betrayal of how God designs the relationship. God can change people and reconciliation can happen, but we should never pressure an abuse victim to honor the abuser. Rather, victim, victims of abuse should be encouraged to primarily honor Christ in their attitude toward the abuser. And so we have to look at it that way. And I know a lot of Christians like, just repent. For no, we have to teach. We have to really start teaching those who are the victim of abuse and how to really turn their hearts to Christ first. Once they turn their hearts to Christ first, then Christ will do the rest. God will, God will direct them in what to do in the next state. We cannot. 
because God knows our heart better than we do. He knows our mind better than we do. And that, and I had to speak on this because I think oftentimes the body of Christ is forgetting children go through so many, so much traumatic situations when they come into the church that they forget about how to minister to that trauma. And so that's why I said, when I went through these stages, think about some adults that you like, oh, they're still in that stage. That's because trauma kept them there. So though you may be talking to a 35-year-old, you may be talking to a 45-year-old, hey, you may be talking to a 67-year-old, but they're still showing a tendency of an infancy. They may still show a tendency of a childhood or adolescent. That's because there's a level of trauma that has stopped the functioning of their brain at that time. Because whenever you experience a level of trauma, it's going to stop the growth of that brain activity at that age. And so they're stuck until there's healing, until there's a reversal effect, until someone comes in and shows them how to properly, in a healthy way, start the healing process and start showing them how to mature in God first and then within themselves and with other people. And finally, children are both a responsibility and blessing. Both parents and children have responsibility to each other that begins their fertilization in the womb and extend to the death of the parents. And sometimes the children go first. Parent must teach their children and children must obey their parents. God as our creator knows us. Following his good design for families is best as healthy families are the basis for a healthy society. And so that is why it's important that we help our children when they have these amazing ideas or I don't care <laughs> if they was like, no, the moon is this and it, you can eat it. Okay, well, how can we eat the moon? Start listening to them because you don't know where they're pulling it from. But I'm just saying, if we start having, start having these conversation with these kids, with your children and start listening to them, and start building them up, pouring into them, encouraging them, hands on them, praying for them, pushing them into their desire of what they want to be. Even if they're six, hey, want to be a firefighter? All right, let's go meet a firefighter. Let me show you what a fire station looks like. Let me let you meet the chief of the fire so he can show you what to do. When we start doing that, that's when we start building a healthy society because our children becomes an adult, and that adult can be never know the next president, the next astronaut, the next scientist, the next amazing teacher that's going to turn a classroom upside down and do some amazing things or the next doctor that's going to find the cure. We don't know until we start investing into our children from a biblical original 10 place. And that's all that I have. And now I will call my husband up. And he's going to do his part. Thank you. Now if I can remember how to turn it off. I'm sorry. Bravo, 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 bravo. I love this teaching on children um, because I think it is vital, like my wife said, that we continue to um, strengthen and, and talk about our children even in settings like this. When you Typically hear about family, you hear about the husband and wife and all that stuff, and you never hear about um, children and how important they are. If you heard us teach anything on marriage, you've always heard my wife say, the one thing that the church or others did not prepare us for in marriage is crisis. You've heard her say that. I know if you've ever been a part of our marriage summit or any teaching on marriage, when we had um, teachings on our covenant marriage, she said they did not prepare for prepare us for crises. I think it's the same for children. I think um, we get caught up in the baby showers, the, the blue and the pink, and oh, they're so cute, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera that we're not prepared for the crisis that happens in our lives. Um, 
So I kind of want to bring back to what my wife has taught and then kind of navigate through crisis because I think we go through moments in parenting that we can literally say, I don't like my child. I don't like my child. I don't like my children. They get on my nerves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but the mo but the the reality of it is is that sometimes we're faced with issues, even in the family structure where we have to make real hard decisions for our children um, that may seem like it's going against everything that the kingdom of God or the family structure is taught. Let's talk about um, the, 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 the adolescent stage. You know, as infants, you can start seeing some things, but a lot of the personalities and traits and things come out in the adolescent stage. Um, and then, you know, when they get five, six, seven, up in those ages. Um, and what I love about my wife is that she noticed things like this at the toddler stage, she can look at a child and she can sense that something's not right, something's off. Um, and she immediately seek out help for that. In most cases, parents live in denial. They live in denial. Um, when you start seeing early stages of um, developmentally delayed or anything to do with special needs, or they may not be able to comprehend you know if you if you wave your hand this way and wave your hand that way and they don't follow then something is off in most cases when they're babies we don't pay attention to that we're so caught up in the hype of i have this new gift that god has given unto me and sometimes we miss opportunities to make the best decisions for our children and sometimes those decisions are are not um what we call what I want to do or what I like to do or what's best for us. It may be sometimes what's best for that child. Um, and so one of the things or some of the things that we've had to go through as parents is we've had to make decisions to the, our oldest son. He did not walk until he was almost two years old, two and a half years old. And so one of the things uh, we had to do was decide that he needs additional assistance outside of what we could do for him. And so my wife began to enroll him in first steps and all these programs that would help him along the way. Um, and one of the things you don't like to do is see your children have to wear braces to help them stand and be supportive. Um, but if, just think about if we were in denial and we did not allow the doctor to diagnose and put him in braces. He just graduated from high school last week. He would not have been able to walk across that stage if we had been set in denial for that. Um, so all of our children, all four of our children, my wife mentioned earlier, they are adopted. They have gone through first steps and different things in life. Um, to help them and we partner with them to help raise them and for them to become the best um, adult that they have. Um, I want us, as always, I like to do application to what we've learned. Uh, my wife talked about the different stages, infancy, adolescence, and then adulthood. Then she added a mix of trauma and abuse into that. Um, and I want us to think about something as you are uh, studying and learning about children. Think about a moment or moments as parents where you did not like your child. Think about how that affected you as a parent, um, because oftentimes I think um, some of the choices and decisions that our children make sometimes make us feel like failures. So we take on the role of failure and we take on the role of this versus allowing God to be this in their lives. And my wife said it perfectly. 
when someone has abuse or trauma, you have to point them to Christ and allow God to heal them and not force them to, you know, talk to your abuse and all that stuff. People, and I'll even go on to say, yes, they need to forgive, but they need to forgive in the timing that's right for them. You can't force people to forgive people right away. It needs to be for the time that is right for them. So the application today is um, I don't like my child. How did that make you feel to even fathom this statement? Uh, most people would never say it or admit to that. I don't like my child at this time. They make excuses. They say, I'm going to do this. We're going to do that. But I'll tell you, I'm at a stage in our life with one of our children is I can literally say, I don't like my child. I love them, but I don't like them. So that's real. That's real. Sometimes we can't fix our thought process, our minds, to be honest about that and say, I don't like my child. My wife and I tell you sometimes, we tell each other, I don't like you today. Love you, but I don't like you. But it's harder with children because they are our precious gift. They're the ones who God gave us to look over, look after, and all this stuff. And at the moment, you don't like them. And at the moment, you feel like I've done all I can to help them. That's when failure, disappointment, resentment, all these things comes in. Yes. Yes. And if we're not careful, I'm going to write that up here. Heartbreak. All of this will turn into bitterness. And before you know it, in the stage of I don't like my child, I've lost myself in all of what they're going through. I've lost myself in all of their mistakes. I've lost myself in all of the issues that they have from mental issues to, you know, kids grow up and make some Bad decisions sometimes. I made a bad decision as a kid, as a child. So uh, sometimes they grow up and do alcohol. Sometimes they grow up and do drugs. Sometimes they grow up and go through all types of things that life has to offer. But I want us today to think about a moment. And if you don't have children, change this to I don't like my childhood. There's always something for everybody to do. I know y'all was like, Whoop, I don't have kids. I'm out of this one. No. If you don't have kids, I don't like my childhood. Because even as an adult, I have to navigate through moments of my childhood where I can say, I don't like my childhood. And so there are many things you can wrap up in here. I feel abandoned. Some of us were molested and abused. I felt rejected. All these things. I want us to process this out. How do we navigate through this? Because one of the things, and I was so thankful at church last week, he talked about going through through it. There are valid experiences in life. There's valid experiences even with children or our childhood. But how do we go from point A to point B, C, and so forth, and go through it without getting stuck in bitterness? So think about a moment in your life where you had to say, I don't like my child, and you start to feel this. And Write down how you got through it because I want us to remember. Today is a day to remember how God got us through some things. 
because we, we, we easily forget the moment we have an issue, the moment we have disappointment, we forget that God got us through this before. And if he did it before, he can do it again. And I believe that he'll always do it again. He'll always do it again. So take a moment, write down, um, if you have more than one child, it may just be one, maybe two, where you just went through moments of I don't like them. Um, and think about one with what you didn't like, and then two, how did you get through it? How did you get through it? And then we'll come back and we'll discuss. <laughs> 